1: Hello and welcome to the ScoutCast. My name is Joe.
0: And my name is Seb.
1: And I'm Tom. Welcome. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, Seb. And uh, welcome, Tom. Um, so it's a bit of a welcome back for Tom. Viewers will have seen him last on our Meet the Manager series. That is because Tom has quite a stellar career so far, never finishing outside the top 36K in 14 seasons so that's pretty impressive multiple high finishes during that time currently in the top 5k and in our live hall of fame too so i'll put that up here so we've been seeing we've got fabio who does um a lot of articles on our site he's at uh, top and this is um an amalgamation of all the different um season finishes here so this shows tom a second there doing ever so well and darren uh wiles who's also been on meet the manager is, is sixth there so we've um uh, yeah, hope- hopefully we'll be able to interview all of them at some point. That would be fantastic. Um, but uh, yeah, welcome back, Tom. So, welcome so a, man-
0: a manager that not only has done well in the past, but is doing well this season. I'm very envious.
1: Yes. Um, yeah, so Tom, welcome back. Um, uh, yeah, uh, we will um, gather your views on a whole bunch of topics as well. But first of all, Seb, what is going on in the show tonight?
0: So we are going to take a look at players that could be called unfairly unfashionable. Those players were maybe overlooking. Who are they? Why are we overlooking them? Are there some opportunities to be gained there? We saw Vidra return at the weekend and he's returned before as well. Mason Mount in real-life football. I think people people are really coming around to the idea of him, but is he also an FPL option? And then West Brom as well, just as the team. Maybe there's some assets to look at there. We've seen them just turn over quite a, a decent Southampton side, dare I say, or at least we didn't expect that. We also, of course, are going to look at Tottenham Hotspur with their uh, double coming up. We know Jose Mourinho is still the manager, although maybe we can look into uh, if that's changed anything if they're playing for him or not. And questions next four fixtures. Hoping he can pick one that can push me up about 150k places would be uh, be real nice. But first, Joe, I think we're going to have a look at our game week so far this week. Yes, indeed. So quickly,
1: we'll run through what we've been doing in game week 31. So Tom and myself it. So Tom goes first. We've um, got 68 points. I'll just run through your team for the benefit of our um, podcast listeners. Uh, but yeah, you've got Mendy, uh, Rudiger, uh, Alexander-Arnold, Holding, um, also uh, Salah, Jota, Fernandes, Son. Um, and then on your bench, uh, Alonso, who presumably was in your team. And then you got Shaw and Rafina as well, as well as Forster. So, um, yeah, tell us about your week. You must be pretty pleased with your wild card.
2: Yeah, I was pretty happy. I mean, uh, often when you do the wild card, you end up with uh, a worse score than the, the week before. So, yeah, overall, pretty happy with 68. Uh, I guess Trent came in pretty well for me. I uh, like that one. Salah, kind of, uh, yeah, pleased with that. And then uh, Ineacho, obviously big points there as well. The only admission here is, uh, I guess, Lingard, which uh, I decided to go with Rafina on Mm -hmm. wildcard. But at least I did get a return from Chris Wood. Yes, indeed. So you got Chris Wood in, I I got Chris Wood in as well.
1: And he sort of prompted um, a bit of a discussion we've got coming up about perhaps unfairly unfashionable players. Um, I know that he and Vidra, um, were um, touted by some but laughed at by many um, so it's quite good that they uh, brought the points in um, so yeah here's my uh, team so I've got 63 freshly wild carded i uh, got Mendy um, Connor Cody who came in for Alonso uh, Phillips uh, Shaw uh, Salah who I captained uh, Lingard Jota Fernandez. And up front, Kane, Chris Woods, the great Chris Wood, um, and Ian Acho. And then on my bench, Son. And it was between Son and Lingard, believe it or not. So I feel I feel quite pleased about that one. Um, Alonso obviously didn't play. And then Feltman, he was my other um, cheap defender there. And Forster. So, yeah, just before we came on out, I was just saying, I, it was one of those rare wild cards, really, where I didn't think, oh, I should have got so-and-so, or so-and-so was in my team, and then I took them out. And I'm pretty OK with all of them, really, really. Um, Maybe Rob Holding instead of Veltman, but much of a muchness, really, in terms of price and in terms of uh, returns and in terms of, fact, I'll probably leave him on the bench quite a bit, even though Arsenal's fixtures are good. Um, But, um, yeah. I know you,
0: uh, I know last last week. Sorry, Joe, I interrupted you. I think you're lagging a bit, so I might interrupt you at the end of your sentence. Apologies. I know last week you were talking about um, whether you want to plan transfers for the future or, you know, build a wild card that will see you through a few weeks. Mm. It looks, correct me if I'm wrong, that you maybe went for a team that is more based on the immediacy. So do you have a few transfers in your mind for the future? Well,
1: no. Um, I know that Southampton, Villa and Everton have double game weeks coming up. And so too Palace. I know I'll probably want to tap into Villa and Everton's double game week. I've got Forster there. I have a bench boost to play. So I tentatively probably want a mid-price striker to replace Chris Woods. So Chris Woods a placeholder for me um, and Veltman, Alonso, Cody, for example, could become others as well within Villa. So I'll be looking to bench boost around rubbish teams having the double game week, basically. And I say rubbish as in, you know, they're not stellar uh, fixtures. Um, so I'm, I'm quite pleased. Um, yeah, I'm quite pleased with that because I don't really know what I was going to do. I did follow what both of you were saying. I mean, on, on meet the manager and also um, last week on the scout cast, uh Seb was offering very similar advice that Tom offered me really because I know Tom kept Rafina, and he was sort of saving himself a transfer he wanted to make down the line and I know you were saying Seb with my draft wild card perhaps you need to think about what moves you might want to make and you seem to be plotting a few moves so I've, I'm now at the move where I don't know what I want to do I have no p- planned moves for next week um so I'm just going to see um I'm just going to see how how it goes, really, <laughs> and uh, and hopefully nice nice position to be in. Yeah, nice position to be in. So um, yeah, just see, I'm just waiting for those doubles, really, and I think the rest of the core team hopefully mm-hmm. should be okay. I said Alonso can probably make a move. Um, Rightio, let's move on to your team. Uh, 47 uh, Seb. So this is a team that didn't work card. So it's not it's not necessarily a surprise. So um, yeah, just for the benefit of those listening on the podcast version. Uh, yeah, you've got Martinez, Cancelo, Alexander-Arnold, Luke Dean, Shaw, Jota, Son, Rafinha, Gundogan, uh, Watkins and Kane, um, and De Bruyne, Bamford and Ailing on your bench, as well as Pope as well. So you had to get some bench points coming in, Jota becoming your, your captain as well. So yeah, I mean, you didn't wildcard. So I, I, I suppose, were you expecting this or...?
0: Yeah, I mean, of course, I'm hoping for a little bit more than that. I'm missing some key players, right? Lingard, you've got Salah in there, who was a good captain, I think. Both of you went for that. So I'm clearly missing some key players who both we expected to return points and then did return points, possibly even more than we expected. But I'm not too unhappy with the team. Like, looking at it, carrying it forward, I think it's okay. There's a few transfers to make. I made two transfers. I brought in Alexander-Arnold and Jota, who are obviously two very Mm -hmm. popular players on the wildcard. Clearly, I should have brought in Lingard rather than Jota, but... You know, he's he's on he's on the list, but so are a number of players. Um, and, yeah, I think Alexander-Arnold's hall there probably saved me a little bit. Captain, vice-captain could have gone a bit better. But, yeah, building, building for the future. I, I wildcarded back in game week 24, and that cut my rank by a fair bit. People to expect me to now fall behind. People are wildcarding now. Mm-hmm. It's just about whether I finish, you know, and net up on those people at the end of the season.
2: Yes, yeah, of course. So, cool. so next... Looking to
0: Yeah, so I I have a love affair with KDB. I adore him. But both, you know, just from uh, just watching football point of view, I think he is, I think he's possibly the best midfielder in the world. And I think he's possibly up there for the best midfielder in Premier League history. Not a slight on Gerard Lampard, Vieira, Keane, anyone like that. There are different players there. KDB has done it for slightly less time as well. And football's changed a bit. So I'd say he's in that group. He doesn't have to be better. I just think he's in that group. And then when we look at things like fantasy football, his stats are brilliant. I know maybe underperformed a bit this year, but the consistency I love as well. So even until recently, when he maybe became slightly more explosive, since he joined Man City, just that consistency of returns was beautiful. And he was typically a little bit undervalued maybe. Was it the beginning of last season or the one before where he was like 9.5 million? A lot of people avoided him. I went straight for him. So that perfect marriage of me loving a player and him looking like a good asset probably leads me to being...
2: Slightly too fond of him, but
0: yeah, he'll he'll stay for now unless I need you know desperately need Salah or something.
2: Yeah, it'd be the minutes, wouldn't it? That would be the um, the issue. Yeah, exactly,
0: exactly, absolutely.
1: Um, Okay, so before we move on to some of the topics, I've just got a a couple of rough with the smooths. Um, So a bit of a rough here. Gabenga um, got thirty-five points um, in his starting eleven. But 38 on his bench, he um, had Dallas, Johnston, Watkins and even Bale got him a point there, or well, it didn't. So they stayed on his bench, 35 in his main team, 38 on his bench. In contrast, John, aka Guna FPL, um, he had Pope, Tierney and Diaz in his team. Um, and Dallas, Holding and Johnston on his bench, obviously those three I mentioned at the start, didn't play so all three came into his eleven. 37 extra points on monday night what a hell of a monday that was um and also very congratulations huge congratulations to Pandin Bruin, the leader of Fancy football scouts mini league um who is also the new world number one and did it in style by playing a superb wildcard, card 81 points there and um, did double digit hauls from captain lingard uh, Lacazette and Alexander Arnold, um, together with additional turns from Patricio, Son and Cody. Um, um, uh, Red Lightning, who, who informed me of this, I didn't actually notice this. so Well done, Pandit, But Red Lightning said you can't get smoother than that, and I don't think you can. Get, playing a wild card and then going straight to the top and becoming the.
0: Current... You know, you know, you know what I love about the um, like Dallas points, mm. a bit like Trent Alexander Arnold, who anyone who got him like vice captain. Yeah. I love about it is it's that perfect mix of skill and luck. Where I think having Dallas on your bench, good fixtures to come, has performed well. Yeah. Holding on to him is a skillful move. Yeah, just yeah. like bringing in Alexander Arnold is a skillful move. Even giving him the captaincy because maybe he gets a clean sheet. Mm. But then the luck came into play because we did not expect Dallas to both come off the bench and score two goals, and we didn't expect Trent to score. We no. probably expected him to keep a clean sheet. Yeah. So it was that perfect marriage of like skillful managers getting lucky and getting a fair result, probably. Definitely. If I
1: if I'd have kept. Dallas oh he'd have definitely been on the bench it just depends who was who was on the bench and who you know who he would have replaced um, but yeah it would have been it, pff, there is an element of luck there but yeah yeah I mean that's like that's, that, you to always remember it's, it's Dallas a bit of both, is too isn't it
0: bad. which is what fantasy football is about yeah,
1: definitely um let's, <laughs> let's have a move on to some topics here so I put up a um I put up a tweet uh, asking for some uh, uh, ideas from the community I was thinking about unfashionable players and why we laugh at them. Um, there was an article on uh, the uh, the Fantasy Premier League page about Vidra um, and the responses of it. I, I hadn't seen it, but Andy shared it. Um, and the responses were just laughing at him, just saying, oh, you know, you drunk. <laughs> Vidra's, you know, why are you recommending Vidra? But Vidra has been scoring goals and he scored again this week. Um, so perhaps he had the last laugh. But it just made me think, you know, one of the reasons why I picked Chris Wood was because previously I might have laughed at that. But why? And Chris Wood is a is a, a good striker in a team that's actually a bit more attacking now in Burnley. Um, and there's a whole plenty of them. And I'm sure there's others out there. who, For some whatever reason, they're still perhaps having a laugh at, at Lingard. And unfairly, perhaps, because he's certainly making a mockery of that. So I um, ask people's views about uh, which unfashionable players they've readily dismissed this season despite promising formal stats. And I said, i would be reading out your unfairly unfashionable players. So here we go. Um, So Kay Todorov, sure. Now this one I can echo. Um, I saw him at the the top of many stats tables at the beginning of the year and uh, just dismissed it. I just thought he won't get the minutes. Um, He's overweight, you know, whatever. I was thinking all completely wrong because he's still performing exceptionally well for Manchester United, Uh, refused to get him in. So he's had five assists, a goal and nine clean sheets, all for less than £5.5 this season. Wow. Um, Topping defenders' chance creation stats, um, Kate Odoroff notices. Um, Crate Digger says Rob Holding. He has a blind spot for dull defender picks, despite the budget Arsenal man seemingly nailed whenever David Luiz is injured. And registering nine clean sheets and eight bonus in his 22 starts, that's not bad for 4.2 million. Um, Rocky Bamford earlier this season, surely he couldn't continue his form. Well, he did six goals in his first six matches, and he's carried that on. Um, he's currently on 162 points. Um, here's some others Gundawan. How many of us we took a while to work out Gundawan? he's a he's a defensive midfielder. Why should I bother? well he happens to be their top scorer so um, who else Mason Mount Ian Walker and Late, and Late Riser joined in as well Mason Mount and Late Riser said Mason Mount wins this hands down and uh, he's got a point. point um, six goals and six assists all for 7.2 million um, FPL dude um, she would be looking at relegation scrapping talisman Sam Maximum Newcastle players people are laughing but are they laughing when they start you know when Sam Maximum can score uh, West Brom's Pereira, another one. Um, and uh, Zors asked a similar question. Uh, there's more as well. FPL Profit was saying, I think possible gains from the likes of Martinelli, Chambers, and a West Brom asset. So, West Brom, again, unfairly unfashionable, perhaps. Um, but it's whether he has the courage. So, um, I've started to um, look at this more closely with my own decisions. Chris Wood is an example and I'm going to continue doing that for the rest of this season, um, especially when I'm looking at perhaps an Everton uh, defender perhaps people am fairly fashionable, but if they've got a double game week and got a clean sheet this week against Brighton, um, depends what their fi- what 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 the fixtures are of course. Um, so um, but yeah so I thought I'd come to both of you really and see which perhaps unfashionable players you've ignored. And why do you think you have ignored them? And why do people ignore certain players, even when they deep down could be quite good? So, Tom, I'll come. I'll come to you first. Do any players in mind this season where you just thought, "Oh, I'm not going to
2: go for them," but they perhaps proved you wrong? Sure, to begin with, possibly. Mm. Uh, definitely, you know, I did think that he probably wouldn't have the attacking returns that he's he's generated. So, so definitely him. Holding is one that I probably wouldn't have even thought of at the start of the season. I've had him twice now, mm. done quite well. So I think over the season, I have I have kind of tried to pick up on some of these that have you know, mm. done done reasonably well. But some of these, the, the ones that he read out, sometimes it's to do with minutes as well. You know, maybe Lacazette. I personally would be concerned about the minutes that he plays. Yes. I think he's a really good player and, and that would be the reason why I, I wouldn't pick him. Equally, there might be other players that, you know, maybe the position or, um, you know, how, how frequently they play. So Jorginho, again, really good value at 4.7. I guess he's really good if he's on the bench. But again, I'm not sure how often he, he'd he actually be in your first mm-hmm. team. you would probably miss out on, on some of his, his points when he's, he's there scoring his penalties. Um, but yeah, and I did think about this uh, overall, Which which sort of players do I maybe miss myself? And I did... I'm not sure if it's to do with individuals, but I did think that maybe sometimes I'm in certain teams, Mm -hmm. in particular, maybe some of the weaker teams in the league. And so as an example, Newcastle, Callum Wilson, earlier in the season, he was scoring really well. His stats were good. I didn't really consider him. I was probably picking players like Bamford, players like Watkins instead, really probably because they were in a slightly better team, maybe Mm -hmm. slightly more attacking. When there's something to be said for a, a player that's a, that's the kind of focal point on penalties, the main man, um, and yeah, sometimes we don't think of those players, and I think we miss that opportunity. Yeah,
1: definitely, and I think it's um, there's um, I, was, yeah, I, I was very fair. Uh, uh, there was something. Um, it was um, Apple Bonkers, um, who is a member of the, the FPL community, um, but he he was it was something that he calls stigma players, is where people ignore them. Um, because they just can't get beyond past performances, reputations. Um, and he was saying he suspect Lingard is a decent example of that to many. And he, he mentions once in the past, Lovren, Bentner at Arsenal, which I still, I just laugh then, the saying Bentner at Arsenal. Um, but, you know, he has scored a few goals. And then Benteke is probably a current great example of that at Palace. Um, Seb, what do you think about this sort of your 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 relationship with unfairly unfashionable players? And what sort of goes through your mind when, um, when you dismiss such players?
0: I guess, I mean, very broadly, I probably have a better season when I'm quicker to identify these players than rather when I'm slower. Mm. And I think I've been slower this year. I think I've been slower to adapt to certain things this year. And I'm doing poorly. Last year, when I did when I did better, I was early on Vardy. I was early on Ings. I had Madison during the period when he was unpopular, but returned points. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's about getting off those players as well, in, as well as getting on them. You know, and that's looking at the stats, looking at how they're trending, watching them play as well. You know, Tom mentioned minutes. So listening to things around football, you know, do we think someone's about to come in or about to leave our teams? And I know we often talk about differentials and maybe just look at things like price and percentage ownership. But if anything, the real differentials are these players that you can identify before other people. And naturally, mm. of course, they may be lowly owned. Or on the flip side, if you can identify a highly owned player that's you know, dropping off these tables or starting to not look like themselves, that's probably where the real edge can be gained, and where I think a lot of skill is found in a FPL. Yeah. And I was thinking about how I play FPL and like traps I fall into. I think there's a lot of traps that you know we that our, our brains trick us into in wider life. You know, not just not just FPL. I've I've been thinking about this, and I think many people have probably read Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman, which if anyone hasn't, Mm I truly recommend it as like one book to read, which will help you think about not FPL, but just everything in life a little more differently. And that's the basis of that very, very broadly. Obviously, there's a lot more to it, is that we have two systems of thinking. System one, which is quick and reactionary and does most of the thinking for us most of the time and is often very, very reliable. But it relies on biases and learned experiences and things like that whereas system two is our problem solving one and i guess the best example of that is if i asked you what two times two is you almost instinctively know the answer you don't have to work it out Mm. but if i asked you what 59 times 73 is you have to work it out and you saw i saw your face there you can you can see that like your your brain has to switch into a different system it doesn't just recall the answer Mm. it doesn't instinctively know it it has to start actually doing work and work is hard our brains are inherently lazy because that's efficient right a really good example of this from the book is i've got a question for you so a bat and a ball cost one pound ten in total the bat costs one pound more than the ball how much does the ball cost and answer quickly
1: (laughs) i was was looking at various things to do with the stream and internet connection at the time um so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna guess at two (laughs) pounds because i didn't
0: hear much of the two pounds nice So so it costs more than the total of both um, so okay, fair enough. You were, you were looking at something else. But for anyone at home, some people would nail that and awesome. A lot of people may well have said 10p. So if mm. we say a bat and a ball cost one pound 10, the bat costs one pound more than the ball. How much does the ball cost? Instinctively, you go well one pound. Total is one pound 10. Ball uh, bat costs one pound. Ball costs 10p. Job to Gooden. But that isn't one pound more than the ball. The actual answer is bat is one pound five and the ball is 5p. And that's a really good example of our system one, you know, the lazy side of our brain that normally does everyday life, just springing to action because it thinks it knows the answer. And to bring this back to FPL, yeah. I think we often do that with FPL, whether it's value, whether it's recency bias, whether there's any of those things that we fall back on that are really useful in everyday life. Like if I'm crossing the road, I don't want to think about what's going to happen and look right, look left, listen, watch for cars. I want to do that instinctively. If I see something out of the corner of my eye, I need to react. So that's brilliant for everyday life. But when it comes to slightly more complicated tasks like FBL, that lazy part of our brain can trick us into things like going for expensive players, yes. going to thi- going for things we're used to. Or dare I say, you mentioned Kevin De Bruyne earlier. Kevin De Bruyne has returned me points in the past. I like him as a player. I think he's good. I naturally go towards him because it's easy. I don't have to think too hard about it. We've seen this recently with someone like Glingard and XG and all yeah. that. XG can be a crutch for lean on. Maybe we'll mm-hmm. rely-, rely on it too much. Or we don't like it, we don't want to think about it, so we reject it completely. The truth is somewhere in the middle. And I think you and David were talking about this earlier on yes. the video. And I thought, you, I thought you made some brilliant points. And you, I think you said uh, people misunderstand XG, whereas XG mm. is, it's a really good, I really like it. All it does is describe the quality of a chance. Exactly. It does not say anything after the ball has been struck. Mm. So Lingard, firstly, Lingard has great stats. He should be scoring points. He is scoring more points than his XG would say. But if we assume he's either getting lucky or finishing really well this season, XG won't tell us that. It cannot differentiate between the two. Mm-hmm. So it's important, you know, like so many things to maybe take a few more things into account, try and look a little bit wider. And I would say if there's anything personally myself I want to take away from playing FPL is to maybe when I feel myself leaning on something, question it, look elsewhere. Talk to someone like Tom, who's got a ridiculous history and maybe ask him what he does, you know?
1: Yeah, so Tom, <laughs> what do you... um, yeah, I mean, over the over the. 14 seasons that you've had where you've never finished outside the top 36k um and even that mostly higher than that there must be times over those 14 years where there's been uh players that you, you that perhaps are laughed at by others but you have got in in order to steal a march on people it it's been any examples of that or have you just avoided those types of players
2: yeah, I'm not, there must be cases, but I would say I'm I'm fairly conservative with these, you know, with players that, that maybe are a little bit unfashionable, especially ones that are maybe coming back from injury, going on loan to a different club. But I generally like to see a player for a four or five games before I'll kind of jump in there. So generally I'll, I'll, I'll try and, you know, kind of have a good look at them, look at the stats and, and really kind of get quite a good confirmation that they're the player that I thought they were going to be before kind of jumping in. So I think that then helps as well to not use as many transfers, to not have to move players out because there'll be as many failures as, as, as successes with these type of things.
1: Yeah, I was just, I think a big one difference and we're going to come to something about uh, as a question much later about what we think has changed about the game. And obviously the array of content, people are watching this or listening to this. And there's all sorts of other uh, podcasts and videos and articles by a whole range of, of people about Fantasy Premier League. So, of course, there's a lot, a lot of information out there and that has been a big change. There was something that caught my eye in the live chat, which was um, something that Steve Elbows was, was, was saying. He says, I'm actually annoyed about how quick people are to pick up uh, players with potential these days. He says it reduces my advantage. And I think he's right. Um, So Lingard has been snapped up quicker than perhaps Lingard may have been snapped up in previous seasons uh, when he was a bit more of a joke and not scoring lots of goals. Um, And I think there is a case for that. Um, I think people have moved on Acho quite quick, much more quickly. and they perhaps might have done and they might just perceived him as won't get the minutes won't get the goals Vardy's the main man look at his price look at Vardy's price Vardy must be better but I do think um, that that he's got a point there I think people are moving so we all as FPL managers have greater competition from other FPL managers there's more of them and the quality of them it's a bit like XG is there an XF at FPL um metric to measure oh, them. Because it's the quality I, it, of the managers.
0: It, was, is it live FPL or someone? Someone does something like that. They try and account for luck. I mean, I think it does a decent job, it's probably it's probably a work in progress. But it does an okay job of looking at, you know, what maybe is luck and what is yeah. was an expected result. Yes, the
2: FPL review does that as well, doesn't it? Oh is
0: it it might be FPL yeah. review, yeah. Yeah. So
1: um yeah, so it's quite um it's quite interesting and it and, and I think Hopefully, if anyone, if there's a takeaway to get from this, it's there are certain players that you might look at stats and they appear on stats tables. You might see them score once. You might see them come on and be a super sub. Um, And then but then you some part of your brain, as Seb was talking about, dismisses it. And but then I think the takeaway from this is, are we being unfair to do that? Should we perhaps just go for them? And that's what I've done with Chris Wood. So I've I've tentatively dipped my toe in laughable players. I haven't gone full Vidra yeah. um, because I wanted to maintain a bit of value in that place. Because there's the likes of Ollie Watkins I might want, and that's that's an easy move from Chris Wood, Vidra to Ollie Watkins. That's that's a that's a chasm. Um, so. Um, okay. And I think there are certain players. So I've, I've done a list. <laughs> I had a look at uh, last six uh, matches and I looked at those who are um, top of those tables in terms of big chances. But I laughed at them. So if I didn't laugh. So, for example, with Kane, I didn't laugh. I think Kane's always there, you know. Uh, but if I just thought oh, I'm not getting them, in they went. So I've done I've done a list here. So I'll read out the names <laughs> and give a bit of a stat and then I'll, I'll get your views on them to see if perhaps they're being unfairly dismissed top big chances six expected goal involvement three chances created for 14 shots inside the box seven of those on target it's Richarlison at Everton very very lowly owned um, i just what was his uh, Richarlison 8.8% so less than one in ten FPL managers own Richarlison so a views on Richarlison? Why it, Why shouldn't we be getting him in the team? They've got a double coming up and he's top of the big chances over the last six.
2: Yeah, I quite like him, to be honest. Uh, I think the, the concern with Richarlison is if he's playing a little bit more out on the wing. Mm. If he's playing up front in the two, then I, I quite like the, the value there. If he's out on the wing, he's not as involved, he's not likely to get as many goal-scoring opportunities, that would be the problem for me. But
1: I don't think he, I mean, he has been playing up front virtually, I think, what, last 10?
2: I can't, I can't remember when he was last on the wing. I think there was one game where yeah. they went back to DCL up yeah. front, maybe about two or three games ago. Yeah. But yeah, he's definitely been more up front recently, which is why I think Richarlison's a better option than before. And DCL has become okay. a little bit worse than before.
1: Okay. Um, Lacazette. Yeah. Uh, is it just me? I mean, am I being unfair putting Lacazette on there? Seb, what do you think? Lacazette, would, would you get it? why
0: is he in your team? So I, I will happily admit that <laughs> I hadn't really considered Lacazette until I looked at this earlier. And maybe he's a good example of one of these players. So firstly, I guess we all just think Aubameyang when we go to mm. Arsenal, right? In our head, like we were saying a moment ago, the easy option is Aubameyang. I have learned that Arsenal do good, Aubameyang do good, so I pick Aubameyang. Yeah. So it's useful to look a bit further. But looking at Lacazette in the last six matches... He has an expected goal involvement of Mm 4.42. From that, he has no assists, uh, but he has five goals and he has an XG of 3.65. So it looks like, go back to the XG conversation, he's overachieving. But if we then look at his his XG history, I won't run you through it all now, but every single season that we have numbers for, he has exceeded his XG. Mm. So it would be fair to say that he is a better than average finisher, and thus, we would expect him to exceed his XG. If anything, okay. exceeding his XG is about right for Lacazette. And if you look at the other stats as well, like uh, shots on target and shots in the box, I believe in that same period, every single one of his shots has been in the box, which is 13 mm-hmm. after 13. So naturally, there are going to be better chances if he has a good shot accuracy and a good con- goal conversion as well. A bit like someone like Son, we might expect him to score more than we would expect. Yeah. I mean, yeah, nine so, shots in the yeah, box, I am so seven, considering seven
1: on target. I mean... I I would have got him in my Sky team because it's the only opportunity you can do to do that um, mid game, um, mid week rather. It, when I read when I knew that Abamian was off with the flu, <laughs> um, yeah, but I didn't make that move. <laughs> but nevertheless, I could have done. And I think if we'd have known Abamian, if I'd have known Abamian was out on Friday when I was doing finishing my wild card, Lacazette, and knew that Lacazette was starting in Sheffield United, I'd have, I'd have gone for that. Um, so
2: I'm probably being about fair him yeah i think for me he's maybe a little bit too expensive as well 8.3 when you've got all these other cheap options you know you've got obviously ianaccio right now we were looking at watkins bamford you know antonio before he got injured there were a host of other options that's kind of i think the the stumbling block and then also possibly the minutes coming to it again
0: i mean ianaccio isn't a secret anymore but he's a brilliant one he's outperforming vardy in pretty much everything including price the only thing he doesn't have is penalties and Speaking of price, I guess that's probably one of the biggest crutches we lean on, especially in captaincy. I do this all the time. If I've got KDB and Gundogan, let's assume their stats are identical or whatever, it doesn't matter. I will go to the more expensive option because more expensive players in theory are better. And at the beginning of the season, that might work quite well unless someone's been mispriced because they're priced based on their performance last season. So it's very easy to go, I don't need to look at all the numbers from last year. I just know that expensive players score points. But when we get to this stage of the season, the prices were set so long ago that if anything, it can probably make us run in the wrong direction.
1: Um, next on the list, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus at Manchester City. Um, now, obviously, you've got rotation worries there. Gunduan's still sitting in many teams. Cancelo is still sitting in many teams. Diaz, who was benched the weekend, still in many teams. But Jesus, why not? I mean, he he is on what is um, yeah three <laughs> percent. That's tiny. Hardly anyone's got him. Five big chances, expected to be involved in four. Is that four goals? the last six he's created eight chances 10 shots uh inside the box five of those on target um and minutes per goal attempt in the box one every 46 minutes um you know he's he should be in our thoughts perhaps i mean for me he doesn't fit in money wise and that could be the main factor there
2: um but i still think we're gonna hold him people still belittle him (laughs) Yeah, I think if you're going to hold a Man City player, then you probably want to go for the cheaper options right now, unless it's maybe KDB where you think he's going to play most of the minutes. So, you know, Gundogan, I can understand people keeping a player around, you know, five and a half million that they might have got him in for. When you're looking at 9.2 million and all the other options that you have up front, it kind of doesn't make sense to me.
1: No. Um, And then we've got our friends, Chris Wood and Vidra there. Um, One of the reasons I got Chris Wood in is because I've also got Lingard... And I think for Lingard's only tricky fixtures, um, Chris Wood is actually rotates really well with West Ham. Burnley and West Ham have really good rotation. Um, so I think those that have Vidra as well should take note of that. But yeah, as I said, the, when, when Vidra was recommended, um, the, the article was, was laughed off the screen um, really unfairly. Um, but yeah, I mean, Sarah, are you are you tempted to dip your toe in Burnley?
0: Possibly not just because just because I'm doing badly and making bad decisions, maybe. Um, I've got Bamford, uh, Kane, and Watkins. Probably need to move one of those on. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't mind holding Bamford for better fixtures, although his stats have fallen off a cliff. You know, Leeds, better defensively, yeah. worse attacking. Bamford, much worse. So probably get rid of him. I was earmarking Antonio originally, but obviously he got injured. So I want to see how he gets on. So there's a chance, but I feel like Again, speaking about you know, I haven't wildcarded. I maybe just have other priorities, priorities as well that aren't just maybe looking good right now, but allow me to do more things with the team. You know, for example, Lingard. Like, yeah. if I can, I probably need to grab him. If I'm getting a Burnley striker, I maybe I'm just delaying that journey.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think for some for some of these, it's going to be um, to do with the the makeup of your team and money and basically you know who you can fit in and who who you want. For for me. Yeah, Chris would happen to fit that role that I wanted um, as well. But I've also picked them out just because people often laugh at people who don't have them in. And here's the next one, Danny Welbeck. Um, I'm having a little smile myself. He's had four big chances last six. Expected goal involvement three. Scored a couple of goals. This is against Brighton, who don't score a lot, but he does. Um, he's, he's scoring for them. He's created five chances. Um, and this is just from three starts. So perhaps people are looking at starts, but he's only 5.5. So, I think perhaps, and then we look at uh, Aaron Connolly as well. He'd been in a lot of injuries when he plays, though he does all right. Four big chances in his last four starts, expected to be involved in nearly three goals. He's, he's actually scored a goal, created a chance as well. Um, so 11 shots inside the box. A little Aaron Connolly, um, yeah, 5.2, worth a go. Um, but I think i wonder if people think oh everyone in my mini league will laugh at me when they see connolly and welbeck in there i know that i'm sure they have it in the live chat now but the stats say these are pretty good pretty good guys and they're good value but um and is the other name here white gale four big chances expected goal involvement nearly three <laughs> um three chances created uh five shots on target ten inside the box um, he's, he's 5.9 in a Newcastle side that we have seen are battling for their survival and may even survive um, and they're going to need Dwight Gale coming on in the last 20 minutes to score score a, a crazy brace and everyone's saying oh everyone got their jammy <laughs> everyone the 0 point whatever it is percent of managers who've got him got his jammy points well look at his table <laughs> Dwight Gale should be in the conversation but he's not Um, but yeah
0: I can't tempt either of you by Dwight Gale, can I? <laughs> I wonder if with those players, just, just the end of the list there, do we think maybe those are the players that, while they could have good stats, are the other end of the scale when we're talking about our Lingards and our Canes, mm. these are the ones that mean XG is an average because these guys consistently underperform it. Well, I and think that obviously goes for their shots, their big chances, you know, all the stats.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, there's the likes of, say, but I put Havertz um, in here as well, Um which is although people aren't people have been laughing at habits all season and it's getting out of the mindset so perhaps people know he's a good player. he's playing number nine for Chelsea they know it in their head but they're also thinking oh I got him in in game week two and he was benched and then he got COVID and then didn't play and and I just wonder if that is eating away at some people
0: um well, I have that's, I've that's such a good example yeah. how worked. often do we hear people say things like um oh I had him earlier in the season and he was bad for me so never again yes Yes, I completely exactly. understand that feeling. Yeah. But I'm not sure that's the correct way to play FPL. No. Um,
2: Havertz right, is, is a good option. Yeah. He's a good he, option. He's, uh, yeah, I wild cards and
1: ignored him. He wasn't even in the yeah. conversation. Briefly Mason Mount was in my team. Um, another player I'm very unfairly uh, uh, unfashionable. But Havertz there, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I think part of my brain has switched off saying no. Um mm-hmm. ever since Drogba left and ever since Costa almost got a yellow card and never did um, for his suspension, um, I, I've sort of just mentally avoided Chelsea number nines. I, th- I I briefly went for Timo Werner, and then and then I thought, oh, I got burnt again.
0: So I just haven't bothered. And th- you know, I think I think both Havertz and Werner possibly quite sneaky options ahead of next year not necessarily this season yeah. but they could be you know Werner might become a midfielder maybe just maybe they might get a little price drop you know their stats are actually okay when they play they have good pedigree behind them I don't know about you Tom but there must be players that at this stage of the season where maybe earmarking to get a cheeky uh, cheeky head start on
2: Havertz is definitely one at the end of the day if he's playing up front for Chelsea then you've got to be interested at somewhere even if he stays around 8 million it's definitely a, a very um, possibly a good one Yep.
1: Yeah, and and I did I did some more digging around. Just West Brom players as well. They are. Out, I mean, talking about fighting for something to fight for. They're really going for it. Pereira, an option. Callum Robinson, five point two. Um, you know these they, they're posting good stats. They're getting actual returns, but you don't see them in any teams. I don't see any of these players. Any of the players I've mentioned there, I don't think I've seen. Any, I think I might have seen, there might be someone in one of my mini leagues who's had uh, Lacazette there might be someone I mean obviously Chris Wood there's a few there's a few but all of those names I mentioned I haven't seen any of them no Havertz's even um,
0: so do you think we're at the stage, stage of the season where we need to start picking players I know we've spoken about Salah and Kane for the golden boot but players who have something to play for in inverted commas definitely
1: I definitely do and I also do think that that golden boot motivation Salah and Kane are at it. <laughs> they are going neck and neck. They want it and they both know it. They're both egomaniacs and I mean that in a nice way because they're strikers and I do want... And centre forwards at top teams are hired not because they're shrinking violets. They're hired because they're egomaniacs who want to score and get a golden boot every season. And that's what you want and Kane and Salah... Although, so yeah, definitely target those as premiums, and a lot of those other players I mentioned West Brom. Um, are on my radar definitely, and and I think I mean my 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 lead position is not not great, my overall ranking, but I'm I'm, I'm hoping for a top hundred k if I can get it. Um, but um, if you will say a million or half a million or seven hundred thousand or two million in the world. All of those players. Why not get? Why not get them in? They're not. No one's going to own them. And then you can you can dazzle your friends in the mini league and saying, "I got Lacazette's hat trick." I think you'll find, or I got Jesus, or I got I got Vidra's brace against Manchester United. Um, you know why not? Why not go for these players? It's. I, I'm not keen on that. Go on, have a bit of fun, kind of thing, because it's not. You know not necessarily fun just picking a player but but there's a quote there fbl is not fun. FBL's not fun it's more than that um it's um but but it's worthwhile just picking some of these players that those in your mini leagues and that's what we're talking about really those in your mini leagues probably won't get they're avoiding and uh, you're stealing a march on them and by the time they might get them it's too late. Um, because um, yeah, the laughter as, as, well, as
2: well, Joe. I would just, just say you might be we're kind of at the, the time in the season where you get these kind of crazy results as well. So, mm. going for you know West Brom players you know, a few weeks back, you you just say no, but now yeah. you've seen the kind of you know the rising Pereira, yeah. so quite a lot of players like that, and you get this at the you know around this time in the season, you get some unusual results, and so mm. suddenly picking a, a Fulham forward, a West Brom forward, Newcastle, you know callan wilson comes back he could be good you know you get some some really strange ones so it's, it's worth considering that when you're you know you're planning your last kind of fixed you know the last transfers yeah
0: def- definitely. as a as a man who is it never finished outside the top 36k yeah. would you say i mean that that typically is going to put you in a position to defend leads right whether it's a mini league or whether it's an overall rank but then that's relative if you're you know If you've never finished outside the top 36k, but you're 25k, for you, that's relatively poor, you might want to attack the end of the season. How do you find you normally approach this stage of the season, considering you're probably always leading most people?
2: Yeah, I find at this point in the season, I I kind of enjoy it a bit more. I think you, you know the players that are fairly good, you've already got a kind of solid place to your team. But I quite enjoy this point in the season, being able to attack the fixtures, being able to really attack certain teams... So like we've already discussed, you know, the ones that are going for the golden boot, the ones that are going for Europe, the ones that are really fighting for their lives to avoid relegation. And and you can really you know identify three or four games, you know, in terms of fixtures that you really might want to go after a player for. So um, that's kind of how I approach things.
1: Yeah, good, nice. wise, wise words there. Um, well, I mean, as well as we've got all these unfashionable picks, I mean, we've got matters at hand coming up game week 32, and it's a double game week. But um, yeah, I think I said in my notes, it's uh, good news, double game week, bad news. Jose Mourinho is the manager of the team in question. Um, So yeah, Seb,
0: um, Spurs, do you want to take us through that? Sure. Well, as we know, they have a double coming up against Everton and Southampton. Um, I won't go into too much detail on Everton and Southampton. You and David covered it beautifully Mm -hmm. earlier in the captain video about the teams they're facing. So maybe let's have a little look at Spurs. I think, I think most people know Spurs fairly well by now. There's there's probably two players you should pick. Maybe there's a third risky one in there earlier in the season. Maybe it was a defender. But we have some questions on the topic as well. Uh, Jules asks, is Kane in game week 32 the best use of the triple captainship or could there be a better time? FBL Geordi and Stoichkov wonders whether it's worth saving the triple captain until future doubles, so a similar question. FBL Raf, is Son and Kane enough? Do we need a third Spurs asset and then which one? And Dunas Dog, which with Spurs playing two games this week and then in the final of the League Cup on the 25th of April, is there a danger of rotation as Mourinho will go all out to win a trophy? And therefore, are we wrong to not consider other single-week game game the single-game week players? Goodness me, a mouthful. Um, and as you covered again earlier in the captain video, we're looking at maybe Salah versus Leeds, Lingard versus Newcastle, less players, West Brom players even. So what I've done then is have a little look at Tottenham. There won't be anything too new here, mm. and I'll I'll be brief because I spoke far too long earlier on a non-football topic almost. But if we look at Tottenham over the season and the last six in general, the last six being Man United at home, Newcastle away, Villa away, Arsenal away, Crystal Palace at home and Fulham away, so decent enough fixtures. The season total, they've got 52 goals from an XG of 42.3, which puts them 11th in the league for XG, and they've got 35 goals conceded from 40 XGC, Expected goals conceded, which also puts them 11th. So, pretty much bang mid table, but overperforming both of those. Not necessarily to a ridiculous level, especially goals conceded. And we know Marino likes that. Goals scored, maybe a slight overperformance, but hey, there's Kane and Son, so, so maybe not. In the last six, however, they've got 11 goals, just under 10 XG, which puts them third for XG. So, a massive improvement. And then eight goals conceded from an expected goals conceded of 9.5, which puts them 15th. So, the defence possibly has got a little worse. And their goal scoring has actually got quite a bit better, which looking at the stats is possibly not what I expected to see when watching them play. But maybe that's my bias, just thinking Mourinho and it's not going that well. So to then have a look at the players involved in that, Harry Kane and Son, the obvious ones here, of course, for the whole season, Kane's got 32 goal involvement. So 19 goals and 13 assists. The ridiculous one there. And I had to check if this was right. And I'm still not convinced. Kane has 13 assists from 3.3 expected assists, mm. which is ridiculous. I mean, we know, you know, him and Son had that crazy relationship earlier in the season, but that's absolutely ridiculous. In the last six, he's got two assists from 1.17. So still almost double, but maybe sustainable. Whereas, well, that, uh, whereas the, uh, the first number is
1: nuts. What do what, you make of that? What may, I, I, I think what looking at Spurs stats across the season and differing form, One of the things that came out, I know it's come out when Ted has been on the show with his graphs about big chances and small chances. Uh, Son is really good at making getting goals from a limited amount of big chances he really takes those big chances as well so he it's not just snatching at goals he is um offered a, a big chance he takes his scores from that so what you might be seeing from those stats with those incredible assists from Kane so Kane is uh, you know that's not expected to be an assist he delivers a ball It's not expected to be assist but Son just weaves some kind of magic and suddenly it's in and, and, and Son really wasn't expected to have scored that but his sheer brilliance and skill did which is possibly why we're seeing the same with Lingard at the moment one of his goals at the weekend I don't know how he scored it it seemed to be on a sort of a volley and it oh yeah and it was, it was kind, of a miss,
0: kind of a miss kick it? It? it was kind it of a miss kick yeah.
1: it, it hit the ground and it was pinpoint into the corner from yeah. nowhere absolutely Although worth, nowhere.
0: worth <laughs> noting on Lingard's second goal basically mm. to tap in in an open net I think on some models the XG for that came mm. out at under 0.5 which yeah. possibly is an issue with the model not the fact that he shouldn't yeah. have scored it because possibly it doesn't take goalkeeper position or defender position into no. account because that was easier than a penalty, really. But so, of course, you know, another thing when actually you need to know which model well, you're looking at.
1: And this, uh, just uh, the, the, those looking at the stats we got up on the screen. These are last four matches and this shows perhaps why um, they are bizarrely getting better at scoring goals. While some well, I suppose don't look like, like they are, but they are, is because Kane is taking the mantle of the scorer. Um, and we have always talking about Son he only needs a few big chances but Son is but Kane has got that volume and the quality he's got quantity and quality so 17 goal attempts that's huge this is not the assist guy this is this scoring guy 17 goal attempts 7 um, on target 9 shots inside the box and 4 big chances and Son is way down there so he's created 4 chances Kane's created none <laughs> last 4 um, and Son has uh, had six goal attempts, so he's right down on that goal attempts, really down. Higher on the chance creation, Kane's way down on chance creation, way up on shot volume and quality. And then you've got the also Rans as well, you know, the likes of Bale, Vinicius, Aurier, <laughs> Ali. That's how far you have got to go
0: down. But yeah. So I was looking at the Son and Kane relationship and looking at the heat maps and. Actually, if you compare Man United recently, Newcastle recently, to the ma- to the fixtures earlier in the season, the heat maps for the two players aren't that different in terms of pattern, but the temperature, as it were, does change. Son a little bit wider, although actually, funnily enough, a little bit further forward. Kane quite a lot bit further forward. A few more touches central as well, which I think matches up with what we've seen in real life. Although important to note that actually they're not that dissimilar. So it's more about what they're doing with the ball. So I had a little look at what they are Mm. doing with the ball. You mentioned we know Kane has maybe gone from slight creator to goal scorer Mm. and Son has made the opposite journey. In the last six, Kane has scored five goals from an XG of 5.19. So pretty much bang on just under. Harry Kane possibly should just overperform that for the season. He's at 19 goals, 16 XG. So yeah, about right. Uh, His assists have dropped, as I mentioned. Son, obviously the interesting one. So 14 goals over the season from an XG of eight. So that doesn't even make up for Kane's assist. He's just assisting everyone everywhere. Or or the model's a bit wrong. We'll have to have a look. But then in the the last six, Son, one goal from 1xG, three assists from 1.79xA. But then in terms of chances created, he has created a chance every 45 minutes in the season as a whole, but every 33 minutes in the last six. So a pretty, pretty big shift there. Also, he has 113 crosses in the season, which is about 4.52 per match. He only has 2.33 per match recently, so that's 14 crosses. And the success has fallen as well from 23% to 14%. So possibly a shift in how he's creating those chances. So maybe slightly better chances for Kane if we're seeing that reversion. Also, Kane then converting those chances. He has gone from a shot accuracy over the season, so shots on target, of 38% to 44% in the last six and a goal conversion from 17% to 20% and a minutes per chance from 22.7 to 21.2. So I would say Kane is getting even better and we're seeing a shift in how those chances are being created. And then the last one, which I thought was really interesting, and I'm going to speculate a little bit on where it's come from. The season as a whole, Kane has had 24 headed chances, which is 0.77 per match, In the last six matches, now obviously small sample size, he's had six headed chances, which is one per match. So a statistically significant increase, although only a small sample. With Son actually reducing in those crosses as well, I wonder if we're seeing those from the fullbacks. So someone like Serge Aurier, although he's only got about 2.3, 2.5 XGI for the season, 0.65 of that, I think, comes in the last six. So if you really need that third Spurs player, Maybe have a look at who else is creating these chances for Kane, so, because it's not just Son. And, and this takes us back to why are you laughing at this player,
1: Serge Aurier? I'm laughing, even thinking about the concept of him and my team. But he's had a big chance. He's 5.2, defender, chances of clean sheets, six chances created, four shots inside the box, seven goal attempts in total, last four. Um, he, could be a, he could be our third Spurs player if we wanted one. Um, Tom what, what do you reckon are you going to captain Kane then he looks alright doesn't
2: he yeah he looks alright uh, I mean definitely he is playing further forward I think that's that's clear and I think the stats show that before I think he was dropping more into the midfield collecting the ball and then Son was probably running over the top and they were looking to get Son in it feels a little bit now like Kane's right on the last man he's, he's, he's definitely getting into the box for any crosses that come in and Son's a little bit wider so um, yes definitely Kane will be my captain if i was considering triple captain chip, i would be playing it now i don't see how you get much better option than this there's obviously doubles to come but you know what you're gonna captain Grealish if he comes back maybe a dcl i don't see how they're better than than kane you're yeah. guaranteed 90 minutes twice so 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 if we if we're thinking obviously kane <laughs> i'm not going to discourage anyone
1: and we're thinking if you've got a triple cap C chip this is probably a good time to use it because um, Kane is in red-hot form and he's nailed on. Son, the second best. And if we were to get a third one, who is it worth getting a third Spurs player? And if you did, which one would you get?
0: So the only thing I'd say is obviously when we looked at those early numbers, their defence has got worse, while their attack has improved a lot, uh, both in terms of actual return and expected return. So maybe, unless you're going to get that assist from Moria... It was 0.83 XTI, by the way. So, you know, not huge, but he's playing two matches. Unless you're going to get that assist, maybe you can't bank on a clean sheet. So maybe look at Hugo Lloris. He has okay stats for the Mm -hmm. season. I think he's about sixth for uh, expected goals prevented. So effectively in FPL, that will translate to, you know, number of saves he's making effectively. If they do keep a clean sheet and he makes a few saves, potentially... And then watching Larice, I feel like he's prone to to just letting one slip. You know that Greenwood one at the weekend. Now to be mm. fair, Greenwood great finisher, massively overachieved his XP, uh, XG last season. He's underachieving this season, but really if the sample is too small. I think if you actually watch him play football, his shots both have accuracy and power, which is an impressive combination. Never mind, he can do it off both feet. So maybe Larice was caught a bit short, but it felt like one of those ones. What you often say with Larice that I wonder if he could have just saved it.
1: Um, yeah what do you reckon Tom third, third one Lloris maybe are you gonna bother
2: I, I, I don't think I'm gonna bother if I was going to I, I think I'd probably look more to their attack and maybe even Mura. yeah he's 6.6 He's he seems to be starting Bale seems to be frozen out now he's maybe an option I, I know he assisted the, the goal at the weekend yeah he seems decent value but yeah I probably won't bother
0: um, just when I was looking at Lucas Moura, um just one last one yeah. uh, on that I thought was interesting, is just to keep in with the theme with Spurs, his he had something like, I think he's got three assists in the last six from like a 0.3 XA or something, so just to keep with that theme of Spurs consistently overperform their numbers, probably because they're giving it to Son and Kane, I was put off him at first, but hey, if he's going to be involved, if we think they're going to score, mm. maybe, yeah. I'm probably with you Tom, it feels, it feels reaching.
1: Yeah, I'm not. Um, I just wanted to bring a couple of people in the live chat. How, how Jam uh, asked, Does Fancy Football Scout look at the live chat? Yes, um, we do. Um, so, a couple of things that draw out. Historia Films Kenya, oh, they'll be dancing in the streets for Historia Films Kenya tonight, fame. Uh, does Aurier with one of those shocked scream emojis, um, which is exactly what we were talking about. Players that we're laughing at, and perhaps that we might not be. So, if Aurier gets a clean sheet, a goal, or clean sheet, two assists over that double game week, he'll be laughing there. Um, so, and um, the other one I would just want to mention is pr- uh, Pro Evo Stevo. Um, he says he's looking to get Kane and Mora for me. I just wanted to um, highlight that because I was playing Pro Evolution Soccer only today. Um, so, nice. uh, well, well done <laughs> on your choice, your non-FIFA choice there, Steve. So,
0: on uh, on Spurs, enough numbers. I've, I've done that to death now. I would be interested in knowing from you, Tom. Looking away from all of that, if we do pick a third Spurs Bay, or even, you know, if we have two of them, you're probably going to have to keep them for a couple of weeks. Is that something that's attractive to you? They've got a blank, of course.
2: Yeah, the blank is obviously a problem. If you haven't got any other Man City players, it might be okay. You know, if you've got three, you could maybe take one out before the blank. Um, They have got Sheffield United afterwards. Sheffield United and I think it's Leeds. So they've got pretty good fixtures afterwards. So it's not too bad. Obviously, if you're getting someone cheap like Mora, six point six, maybe okay. Most people have got so many other options in midfield right now. I'm not sure that they would, they would opt to move to that.
1: Um, just before we move on, some further questions. I've got a, th- uh, a picture about uh, worst defenses here. So this is last four. Um, just to, just to assess, who are the latest whipping boys here? Sheffield United still up there. Seventeen big chances conceded. Um, absolutely horrible about uh, all the metrics. Um, if you've got a player attacker playing against them, play them <laughs> because uh, they are, uh, Crystal Palace as well just behind 16, then Southampton with 14. So Southampton are creeping up this table. They've gone up about two or three places in the last week or so. Um, each match they get, they get a little bit worse their defence, and they are playing Spurs. They are playing Kane, um, so and likes of Son, and also as you were pointing out, Mora could be a good third option, Orier, if you want to play
0: do that emoji. Um, did, did you and David mention earlier as well on Southampton that maybe because of, you know, the high line and the way they press, while they haven't conceded all that many shots, when they do, it tends to be a big chance. Yeah. And the thing we know about Spurs is yes. they love those big chances. Yeah,
1: we know that Son is great at putting big chances away. We know that Kane is just getting the volume, quantity, quality as well. But the things I also want to draw out with this big chances can see defences table last four is that just behind Southampton is Burnley. Um, And then Tottenham. So Tottenham with one clean sheet in four, they conceded seven, 11 big chances conceded. This perhaps says to me, no, I won't be getting Lloris. And if I was to be getting a defender, I want to get an attacking one, which is why if I was a certain type of manager, Aurier could be on my watch list there um, if I thought he was getting starts. But the other interesting thing was Everton. Um, just six chances conceded, um, big chances conceded. They conceded five goals. Expected to have conceded five, but basically, yeah. Where are they? Six big chances conceded. That's just one more than Manchester United, Brighton. A couple more than Leeds, Liverpool, and uh, Chelsea and Man City are the best conceding, just three big chances. So that shows that the Everton game won't be as fun <laughs> for those captaining Kane and Son as the Southampton game will be. Um, so for me, I'm thinking I'll take what I can get from the Everton game, but it's the Southampton game. I want to be I want to be seeing big goals <laughs> in those ones. Um, so let's move on to some other questions. So uh, let's have a look here. Uh, Andy DeWolf asks, can you update us on how you play the game? Has it changed this season? And what lessons have you learned? So I already already highlighted something earlier. The simple maths of there's more people playing and there's more people playing who know what they're doing and as Steve Elbows was pointing out what these people that who are these FPL managers who are just cutting on to these players that are emerging after a week and then just getting them in well these are more and more engaged managers so that's my answer to that so Tom what do you what do you think has changed over the 14 seasons of excellence you've had?
2: <laughs> oh, I mean this season obviously has been very much impacted by the whole Covid thing so I think you've had to be a lot more adaptable this season probably have a a lot better bench and and yeah be a, a, a bit better in terms of planning for the potential doubles and and blanks that have come up so i think in particular this season has been really really hard compared to others
1: yeah i mean definitely this season so that adaptability so um do you think there's you know um each season there's a change and it's just about getting onto that Whatever that sort of narrative of that season is. So, for example, late late riser we mentioned earlier, top hundred last season. For he hasn't changed his policy, hasn't changed his strategy this season. This season he's having a much, you know a much worse season. But that's not mean that he's a bad manager. It Just means that the strategy is sort of not there. But do, do you think that we need to perhaps change our narrative each season to fit whatever that narrative is, that strategy, or just stick to your guns? And just have <laughs> fun playing the way you play i mean i personally just stuck to my guns most seasons but yeah do you, do you think we need to i mean like tom you were mentioning about covid we've had to change our narrative this season but that won't be the same next season the season after but yeah do you i mean do you think
2: we should change our narrative or just stick to playing your own game i generally try and stick to play my own game but i, I do think you have to adapt you mm. know and and Part of that's the players that are available, the prices, the just things that happen. You know, you've got to be able to adapt to the you know the different situations that come up. But yeah, yeah the general kind of rules that you might have learnt over over years of you know doing certain things are, are normally applicable from season to season.
1: Yeah. And uh, Seb, what do you think's changed over the years you've been playing?
0: Oh, I mean, <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna top Tom's answer, am I? But um, obviously adaptability, as you mentioned, is crucial. But for me personally, I've got like a 15. 15- season history or something but that goes back to when i was a teenager so the classic excuse that everyone has like oh don't count my early seasons i was Mm. i was drunk and not paying attention but so was everyone so you know it is what it is i would possibly not not just myself i would maybe point towards like consistency and variance are the interesting things for me in in people's finishes um you know you look at tom like don't believe he's won it but he's always finished inside the top 36k I would argue that's possibly harder to do consistently than, say, winning it one season and then even still having a good good history because that could just come down to... And when I say luck, I don't mean, oh, you've got away with that, you're a bad manager. I just mean there was a 50-50 call or someone got injured after the deadline. You know, things outside of your control. That's probably the difference between winning it and not. So it's consistency I think we're shooting for. And as Tom mentioned, adaptability, you know, every season offers us different things. If you can consistently finish high in different environments I think that's possibly the main mark of it for myself I would say I I would say when I learn something I learn it well but sometimes I'm slow to it so like if something changes in the way someone's playing or their numbers or or when we're watching them I may be rejected at first and it'll take me a little while to come around to it so I maybe do best when I don't do that when I spot something and go with it and and back it up and and follow it
1: Um, Mitch asks, is it worth going for double Leicester attack? So I've got Acho, I'm going to stick with Acho and I just don't like the look of Vardy at the moment and I don't think he's worth that money. So that's my answer to that. Um, Tom, what do you think? Double? Going to go double Leicester attack?
2: Yeah, so before uh, I I was thinking about doing that, I don't think I would now. But I think if you've got Vardy, I think that's okay. I think they've got great fixtures, next four in particular. The, the there's the potential there for him to, to really haul so you know I'd definitely stick but if you haven't got Vardy I would just stick to within it in the actual that okay. seems sensible now um, what about like Madison Tielemans even Madison's an option mm. Madison's you know looked good before he got injured so I, I think Madison would be on my radar
1: mm. I think he should be back I mean he was an naughty boy apparently um, and a bunch yeah. of Le- Leicester players uh, weren't um allowed to play because of their Covid transgressions um, so it should be back um, seems to be over but yeah Said, what about you I mean because you're you've got a number of players that perhaps are more expendable because your wild card was five or six weeks ago Um. so Leicester as Tom pointed out they've got four great fixtures so are you tempted to really pile in on Leicester?
0: Yeah I guess I guess this is where I'm torn. Maybe a bit like the, uh, a bit of an answer to the earlier question as well, where I just want to pick the players I think are gonna score the most points. And I maybe want to throw out the idea that if this player scores more points, I will do better, but I don't actually think they'll score the most. But obviously when you're lower, when you're lowly ranked, you maybe do have to take those gambles. So maybe that's something to think about. I don't know if Leicester's the one. We, if Madison is back, we need to see how he's gonna affect Vardy and Ian Mm. Ian Acho seems a pretty obvious pick. I don't know if you want both of them, like Tom said, at this moment in time, at least.
1: Um, here's another one. Um, Adash uh, asks, and it's a similar theme. Uh, could it pay off going for Lingard and Bowen for West Ham uh, form? Antonio is absent still. Bowen uh, could be on set pieces in the absence of Cresswell, but also he's playing up top there. So they are the two guys. If if Lingard's going to score uh, or uh, assist, chances are Bowen's going to be the other person on the end of that. Um Yeah, once again, Tom, are you tempted? I mean, you haven't got
2: Lingard, so presumably you're going to get Lingard in. But are you tempted to go even further into West Ham? I I don't even know if I'm going to get Lingard at this point. I've got Rafina there in a couple of games. Rafina's fixtures turn. um, So, you know, he has really good fixtures coming up. I'm feeling a little bit entrenched with my position on Lingard now as well. I haven't got him for so long. I, I think I may just see what happens if I was going to get him I'd probably have to get him for Newcastle and that would cost me a hit so I think it's unlikely at this point but coming back to the question I I think I like both players I'm not sure I'd uh, get both I, I don't think many people would have room in the midfield to get both of those players No I um, yeah I think that's all about midfield room
1: if I did have the, the room though it would be tempting because they have good fixtures yep. Um and that is the way that boy, I'm a big fan of double ups ordinarily I like I mean it's a, it, when you get the the scorer and the assister. I absolutely love that. It's my dream uh, whenever that happens, but, you know, it's quite rare. Seb, were you you
0: tempted to do something like that? Again, possibly not that one, although it's more tempting. I have neither, so it would be a more significant move to do it. And as Tom says, probably not in time for the best fixture in the next little while. But I would almost, the takeaway from that is more not necessarily getting those two players, but the lack of Antonio possibly hasn't hurt them. Their numbers against Leicester weren't ridiculous. But actually, if you then, when we were watching the match, we were doing it on uh, Matchday Live, Matchday Scoutcast, they almost didn't need to be. They took a couple of really good chances. Lingard obviously had a slightly more fortunate one. But the chances they created and the way they played were, were set up well to deal with Leicester. And I think David Moyes is good at that, right? Maybe poorer when he was at United, maybe trying to impress himself on the game. Better setting a team up to react well-structured and using the quality of players at his disposal, we saw that, I would argue Bowen was even better than Lingard in that match, just in terms of watching him yeah. play. Both both excellent, but Bowen did a great job. And the bit that I really, really liked was, I think it was the third goal, I think it would have been Bowen's goal, where Lingard got the, the pre-assist, I think. Uh, but they Leicester were playing it around the back and West Ham were just happily sat off, but almost with a front four in front of Leicester's midfield. And then as soon as the ball came into Iheanacho, who had to drop a bit deep to come and get it, They sprung the trap on him. He took quite a poor touch. They took the ball off him and about three or four passes later, it was in the back of the net. And it was just that waiting to set that pressing trap, executing it and turning it straight into a great opportunity. You don't need to do that 15 times a match. You just do it once and you create a really good opportunity.
1: Yeah. um, Final question here. Steve Finch, uh, best budget midfield replacements for those uh, who own injured nettos out for the season and Saka, who is great... If he plays, but will he play? And um, we've already mentioned a few there. I mean, you, uh, you mentioned uh, Rafinha has got good fixtures soon. Not just yet, but soon. Um, so he's one to, to bear in mind if you can bench a midfielder for a while. But also, obviously, Jota and Lingard are the main ones there. I mean, they, they, were, they were pretty high on my shopping list, on my wild cards. I just think they were great value. And I think if you can get to those two from Neto or Saka... Um, but otherwise, a lot of those ones that we were laughing at, I mean, let's put it up again, the currently unfashionable players. I, th- I mean, I think this is the chance to go for your likes of Pereira for, uh, perhaps. I mean, there's, there's a lot of ones in attack here, um, but yeah, but perhaps perhaps move um, move to a very cheap... Jorginho, 4.7 was mentioned in this conversation as well. And for Chelsea, Chelsea got great fixtures, 4.7, you can bench them easily when they're bad fixtures... And you can invest that money in attack for one of these, one of these guys. Havertz, eight point two. If you can stretch up, go up even that further in midfield. Um, so there's lots of good options, I think, to be a bit different depending on where you are in the season. So, but either of you two, I mean, what would you be if you owned Neto or Saka and you wanted to move on? Um, where
2: where would you go now? After you, Tom. after you. Like you said, I think it depends on budget. I think if you can get to just uh, Lingard, then that, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. If you have, haven't quite got enough for Lingard, then Bowen is within sight. And equally, if you have uh, players on your, you know, in your squad right now that you, you can get by for the next, I think it's two games, then Rafina will then have a good, a good kind of last four or five fixtures. So that was, that's what I do.
0: Mm-hmm. And Seb? I don't think I have anything
1: further to add on that. Okay, yeah. Um, well, these might give us some more ideas on those and and more. We've got the next four fixtures. Um, so looking at the season ticker with Fancy Football Scouts season ticker you can press a little button that says sort by difficulty so I did that and these are the ones easy ones at the top, tough ones at the bottom uh, so Wolves Sheffield United, so who's going to play up front for Wolves for a start, so without Neto not sure, but I'm very happy with Connor Cody still, so Sheffield United Burnley at home and then West Brom Brighton this is a nice run then Leicester these great four fixtures West Brom Crystal Palace Southampton Newcastle that's really good um, so this is why people are talking about piling into Leicester a bit um, Tottenham yes they have a blank but they've got this double Everton Southampton and then Sheffield United they come out of the double on that that's why I'm thinking well I might as well just keep Son and Kane on my bench 33 hey presto 34 both of them get Sheffield United worst defence yes please uh, and then they have Leeds against uh, uh, Leeds on a uh, game 35. Arsenal still rocking. Uh, Fulham, uh, Everton, Newcastle, West Brom. Sheffield United. Um, I'm just going to dismiss them from an attacking point of view, but both bearing in mind that Wolves, Brighton, Tottenham and Crystal Palace attackers face them. Uh, and then you've got Brighton. Brighton have actually got an OK fixture. So I mentioned Welbeck, Connolly. Um, these types of players, Trossard as well, could be in the mix. Um, so yes, they've got Chelsea next. Then they've got Sheffield United, Leeds and Wolves. These are not bad fixtures for Brighton. Um, Liverpool still going well, only really Manchester United. The rest are great fixtures. Um, Manchester United, game week 34, but Newcastle leads Southampton around that. Manchester United themselves leads Liverpool again. That's the really bad fixture. Uh, Leeds, Burnley and, and Villa. It would be argued, and I think quite rightly, Leeds facing Man City did a number on them. <laughs> Um, but nevertheless, I still think there is um, goals to be had against Leeds. But I, Leeds could easily win. I mean, they are good. <laughs> so I wouldn't say put them in the same bracket as Sheffield United or anything like that. Um, and then West Ham, just that, just a couple of, well, one bad fixture really. Chelsea, then they've got Newcastle and Burnley as well around that. And then right down the bottom, Salampton. <laughs> Tottenham, nothing. Leicester than Liverpool. That's just worse. That's awful. Crystal Palace, blank, Leicester, City, Sheffield United. So it gets a little bit better on 35. Worth pointing out, if they get a double in 35, Crystal Palace has still got a game to rearrange. So, um, I don't know. I'm consulted, as I said last week, I tend to switch off when people get too technical about about the season ticker and uh, potential permutations of where matches can be. Um, but, you know, there's one to monitor there. Um, same with Fulham, they've got terrible fixtures. Arsenal, blank, Chelsea, but then they play Burnley. Burnley are one of the worst defences at the moment. But either you two, any of these kind of uh, spring any thoughts towards your, your coming moves over the next four weeks?
2: Leicester I mean, look great, obviously. Those yeah. four fixtures looked absolutely fantastic. Walls, good fixtures without Neto. I'm not sure I'd want to invest at this point. If you've got Cody, then okay. You can probably yeah. hope for a couple of clean sheets there. But outside of that, I wouldn't wouldn't be looking too, too much into it. Arsenal still got good fixtures. Obviously Spurs, if you can deal with the blank and you haven't got maybe too many Man City players, then I think that's a good run as well. And then Liverpool still got nice fixtures as well.
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: And said, what about you? I mean, because you've got City players.
1: I know you've got Leeds players still, but obviously, as we said, the next the four the remaining fixtures after this block lead Sunny go good but yeah. Man City still the threat of rotation and fixture wise it's not great
0: either I guess the only thing with fixtures on Man City is of course you'd prefer better fixtures but at some point a good fixture for Man City is basically everyone but Liverpool Man United Chelsea maybe yeah. like they could conceivably do the business against anyone Um and hey you know I mean if I was wildcarding there's every chance I wouldn't have De Bruyne and or yeah. I have them still because I haven't wildcarded and maybe maybe I do need to hold on to one of them at least to have that little differential but I also believe could could uh, deliver me points I think you mentioned there how maybe some fixtures change in 34 or 35 around about yeah. that yeah that's an interesting thing to look at here so the next four have been covered really well by yourselves and I think we're all aware of that now it's looking, and everyone's wildcarded for it, it's looking to what your wildcard might become in four weeks' time, especially with the potential double on the horizon. And then, as we mentioned earlier, targeting teams that maybe have things to play for or don't, targeting teams that maybe have their fortunes have changed. Uh, we look at Leeds. The next couple of matches aren't great. There's Tottenham in there as well, but the last three are, are very nice. But our attacking impetus has probably gone down. The only player really holding up his numbers is Rafina. If anything, when you watch us play, everything goes to Rafina. So if you think he's going to score, he's probably the one. And then defensively for Leeds, while I still think, you know, I captained KDB, lots of people captain Sterling, while I still think targeting us is an okay strategy, we are now, when I like check, checked before the Man City game, we were seventh for defence in the last six, whereas we were like third worst for the season. So there's been a massive improvement We have two fit centre-backs, and consistently, which we haven't had for a long time, Phillips is playing. We have tightened up a bit, you know, Bamford's getting fewer chances, I think we're creating fewer, not just he's out of form. So maybe if you were targeting Leeds, it's not about just blanket targeting us, it's about targeting players that can still do well against us. So we saw City had 25-something shots, but only about 2xg from that. And when you watched it, it was a couple of big chances, and then Fernandinho shooting from range. So what you maybe want is someone who can convert big chances but also is going to get the volume in because if we are happy to drop back a bit more than we did or at least defend better you're going to need good chances and lots of them. Someone like Harry Kane someone like Bruno Fernandes we do have them coming up so maybe there's still a chance to captain those players. Definitely.
1: Um, so Tom it's going to be your turn to pick a differential this time. So last time Karen picked um, Ian Acho, who scored a brace and surprised us all that Ian Acho was so lowly owned it, that that won't be for long Um So, um, yeah, Tom, uh, best low-owned gem, 5% or under
2: ownership for the next four matches. Who is it? So the one I'm thinking of uh, is a little bit out there, fairly low ownership, 0.7%. Some people may have been burnt by him before as well, so kind of uh, go with the topics that we've discussed already today. Ricardo Pereira, uh, he's got, so Leicester, he's got West Brom, Palace, Southampton and Newcastle. Three of the next four are at home. Uh, In the last game against West Ham, 35 final third touches. If you remember, he almost won a penalty as well. Mm -hmm. He was charging into the box. So I think there's a good opportunity there for him to get clean sheets and also maybe an attacking return. He hasn't really done too much going forward so far, but there's always that potential with him. So, uh, yeah, that's my pick. No, good.
0: Uh, I really like that. Yeah, that that is good, actually,
1: because it's as we were talking about right at the beginning of the show about unfairly unfashionable players. Last season, he was very fairly fashionable but now you know because he's been injured because there's been so much competition within Leicester because they've had to rearrange their their formation depending on injuries and Pereira's just found himself sort of struggling to come back and struggling to come back into what we're thinking about as you said was it 0.7 percent ownership but then West Brom Crystal Palace Southampton Newcastle I mean even if he doesn't get any attacking returns it would not surprise me if he got four clean sheets. So
0: that is yeah that is super that is super tempting as a transfer, I guess. I mean Leicester's defense I had Ricardo Pereira a few weeks ago, a little while ago, um before yeah. before he got subbed off at half time with that injury. And I remember being disappointed, we're talking about you know remembering what how past ownership earlier. I remember being disappointed that he didn't get me those clean sheets. And his attacking stats weren't quite up there. But I have no idea what his stats are like really now. But Watching at the weekend, like you say, he should have got a penalty. And if he didn't get a penalty, he probably should have just scored that. Mm. He created a good chance from what I remember. And he's a long way up that pitch. Whether it's right back, right wing back, right mid, he is maybe starting to look a little more like the player before the injury. So you might have talked me into trying to get him in my team.
1: Yeah, I think that, I think that's a really good move. Um, he would be an ideal replacement for those who have had enough of Alonso, for example. Um, but Alonso didn't play... Um, in the champions league midweek uh, which is taking place tonight actually um so you would imagine he would play at the weekend but he might not he might that might be him out they might they might have been so um the Chelsea management might be so annoyed with him um, and that, that might be the end of it we might see Emerson come in um but Pereira is quite tempting He's certainly a tempting replacement if you if you if you're in the market for a mid-price um defender yeah good good call that um, Let's move on to our uh, uh, teams. Uh, uh, teams for the come for game thirty two and our transfer and captaincy plans. So I'll go first. I've got. Uh, I don't. I don't have any plans. I have no plans. Um, so I've got Mendy, Shaw, Alonso, with Phillips at Leeds as my first sub. If Alonso doesn't play, then Cody against Sheffield United. So I'm really. I'm quite happy with that. Um, and then I've got 3 5 2 of Fernandez uh, plays Burnley, Jota leads Lingard against Newcastle, uh, Salah obviously leads Son, my vice captain, um, Everton Southampton, Ian and Kane, my captain. And uh, on my bench, Chris Wood, first sub, and Phillips is my first defender sub, so if you what I mean, so it's my second sub. And then Veltman, um, I've got there as well against Chelsea, so uh, Forster against Tottenham. So I'm fairly happy with that. I'm, I'm OK if there's a couple of omissions because Phillips for um, Liverpool, I'm quite happy to have him. The uh, same with Wood there. So I'm probably going to avoid a third Spurs player because I'm quite happy to go into 34 with Son and Kane and just bench him. And then I've got a bit of flexibility with who else I bench in game week 33 because I don't have any City. Um, so that's me. Um, Tom, let's have a look just for the benefit of those listening on the podcast uh, you've got quite a similar team to me which uh, makes me feel good uh, you've got Mendy, Alexander-Arnold Rudiger, Alonso, Shaw in a 4 4 with Jota, Fernandez, Son Salah, Inacho Kane as your captain you've got Rob Holding against Fulham first sub, great first sub Forster, Chris Wood and Rafina. so good bench as well have um, you, you got any issues with that are you going to make any moves are you going to you know change it around change out the
2: change the bench order at all at the moment I feel quite happy with it I, I've seen some people saying they're going to bench Alexander Arnold I, I, I'm i not going no, to do that Never I'm definitely good. going to play um, so then really like you say it's, a, it's Alonso is he going to play is he not Holdings there to come in if he doesn't play and it's just whether I decide that I've had enough of Alonso or not yeah. so I'll, I'll, I'll have a look at you know um, all the different games that are coming up and try to work out which games I think he might play I think there's a decent chance he plays the next league game I, I see he missed out against yeah. Porto I don't know if he came on there's obviously the the cup final the league cup final in between so that will have an impact but I'm kind of hopeful that he will play against Brighton yeah. so I probably won't make any moves if that's the case yeah
1: no I think a uh, similar position I think other People who wildcarded might be in that. So, Seb, you obviously wildcarded a while ago, so we we'll put your team up, so this might be a more interesting than our ones <laughs> in terms of moves. Um, you've got Nick Pope, who is possibly still injured uh, in goal, uh, Alexander-Arnold, Shaw, Luke Dean, Cancelo, and then Jota, Rafinha, Son, De Bruyne as your vice-captain, uh, Gundogan, Kane up top in a four-five-one. And on your bench, you've got Watkins, Martínez, uh, Bamford and Ayling. Um So, yeah, I mean, it's not ideal fixture-wise. So are you going to make any changes or are you happy to leave it as it is?
0: Um, I mean, I think there's a few things I need to fix, really. Like you say, it's not ideal because I didn't wildcard recently, so that's okay. I was actually wondering if maybe, talking about how can I try and leverage the position I'm in now, maybe the fact that my team isn't ideal and isn't quite close to the wildcarders, maybe I steer into that. So I've got triple city, I've got double spurs. I did have triple spurs with uh, Gareth Bale as well. And if I was wildcarding, I almost would have been tempted until he until he stopped yeah. playing. Because I think maybe if that can be a slight difference maker in my team, and also the fact that, you know, if I was wildcarding now, maybe I wouldn't go for them. But the fact I already have them to get rid of them is a waste of transfers mm. or even a yeah. waste of points. So maybe the, the cost of getting rid of them is greater than the moves I could make. So I'm tempted to maybe consider steering into the differences I already have in my team which means that I've just got a few problems to solve, such as my goalkeeper situation. Neither are ideal, especially if they're injured. I was looking at Lloris, a double, okay fixtures, a blank, which Martinez covers nicely with West Brom. But as we said, actually, Lloris might look decent on paper, but end up returning me about as many points as Martinez anyway. If Pope's fit, I'm still tempted to get rid, just because, as we've seen their defence isn't as good as it was, and Pope isn't making the same number of saves. He made five in his last match, but then it's mm. all threes, twos, ones, yeah. whereas we want, you know, five, six, seven, eight from him. So, a decision to make. Obviously, I do like the idea of Ricardo Pereira, possibly João Cancelo mm. in that move. Maybe I need to wait for the Champions League. I like um, Martinez against the captain.
1: I like Martinez against City Sorry. for so- for save Yeah, it's,
0: a, it's it's quite quite possibly, especially if Pope doesn't play. If I don't make the goalkeeper transfer, it's it's a possible one. And then you're on captaincy, obviously Kane. Not going to try and argue with yeah. that. And vice captain is just on De Bruyne because I didn't want to stick it on Son for now just in case something happens you know we know how it is with captain and vice captain and player, two players from the same team yeah
1: i know I've, I've got that tentatively but i'm starting to think oh should i do that then because kane's gonna he's gonna have to get minutes somewhere <laughs> isn't he um yeah. and that would be annoying if for some reason there's some covid outbreak and the whole squad aren't playing and they have to get cancelled again and um yeah then i will regret
0: that. So Re- Real- realistically, I mean, famous last words, mm. but realistically, it possibly doesn't matter who your vice is no, Kane don't. has got two fixtures. He probably plays 90 in both. Yeah. He doesn't play 90. He's playing minutes. So maybe it doesn't matter, but just for super caution and possibly not sticking it on some.
1: Yeah, I think like, the only worst case scenario I can think of is it is similar to when he had a double game week two or three seasons ago around Christmas where there was that famous picture of him looking, <laughs> looking like all snotty by his Christmas tree. Go, oh, I'm really fit, yeah. honest. And then he ended up playing like about five minutes of the whole yeah. double game week. That, that's probably your worst
0: case scenario with him. So he, even with flu, he'll play. Um, I mean, if, if Kane didn't play, do you want the captain sign in that case? You know, are Spurs yeah. actually worth looking at?
1: No, I, I, I mean, I think I would go for um, Salah or Fernandez. I think as would be Salah or Fernandez. Yeah. Stri- that's why I went for Salah this week, last week. By well, the game thirty one, it's just you know it's just tried and tested. Just go for the gold golden boot guy Salah Let or me, Kane.
0: What about Alexander Arnold? Leeds attack not quite as good. Yes, still a good mm. Leeds attack, but not quite as good. If we're going to concede set pieces, Alexander Arnold takes those. His stats are up like significantly. He looks okay. Um, I mean, I think Salah's the obvious play. But if you wanted to go for Leeds and you wanted Liverpool, mm. Alexander Arnold, maybe.
1: Mm. I, I'm I'm of the Leighton Baines school of thought. Never captain, no, never bench. No, <laughs> That's the way it is with me with Alexander Arnold. Um, but yeah, I would like you know if I owned him, I'll definitely, I definitely would never bench him, no matter who's playing because of those attacking returns. Yep. But I cut. I, you wouldn't captain him in a week where you got Kane, where you where you got Salah, Jotter even Lingard. Yeah. It's just.
0: Yeah, i doesn't. mean re- realistically this is a silly, game. Yeah. A, game <laughs> it's a silly game this is this is the moment where people <laughs> are
1: throwing toilet roll on there um <laughs> i was just reading one of the comments here from uh, chris smith here he says you can barely type too much malbec so there we go i mean that's probably a fitting way to end um so um just want to remind people about the members area where we've got a lot of our stats from uh, expected stats as well all opta driven data lots of tools and gadgets in there do have a look on the website for more if you've enjoyed this episode do uh, press like and uh, remember to subscribe wherever you uh, receive uh, your uh, podcasts from and uh, obviously on our YouTube channel as well but in the meantime it's a goodbye from me Um, goodbye from me goodbye from me goodbye all